know you think girls as crazy as us could never have friends, but we <laughs> We have talked this gentleman into being our friend. And now he's stuck in my house forever. And we locked the door. <laughs> this is a horror podcast. <laughs> Welcome to the Create the Horror Podcast. Thought you were going to listen to two girls talk about creativity and spirituality, but really... Yes, again. <laughs> there's a whole new story. There's a whole thing. Well... I'm sure many of you know, those of you who may be new to the podcast, we are Natalie Roy and Kristen Hange. I'm Kristen. And we are two ladies who love to talk about spirituality, creativity, bringing your gifts forward in the world, your purpose, and just how amazing you are. Oh, and guess what? I have my voice back. Yes, Kristen has had laryngitis. Now, I personally loved the sexy laryngitis voice, but we that did. was just selfish of me to want you to be sick for my benefit. Well, I'm, I'm just going to record myself, like, all, like, throaty and, like, yes. deep. And, just and just like, so I can have it on my voicemail. I'll be like, Natalie can't answer the phone right now. <laughs> she's too busy doing things that you would be embarrassed about. <laughs> anyway, enough about us. Let us tell you about our handsome, adorable guest that we have here with us tonight. This podcast is actually a very long time in the making, so we're so grateful that you're here with us. We have Corey Campercioli, ladies and gentlemen. And Corey is a dear friend of ours who we've known for several years from teaching our Create workshops live in New York City. Corey is an amazing actor, writer, producer, human being, friend, creator. He's all the things. And he has created a beautiful short film called Femme that we wanted him to tell you all about because we're obsessed with him and his work and the process of how this film came to be. Yeah, so Fen now is like sweeping film festivals and a lot of exciting things are coming out of this. And we just thought it'd be so great to talk about having the spark of an idea, taking the next inspired steps and what happens when you do. Because Corey's a really great example of all the things that we teach in theory in practice. Yes. He really did all the things and is here to tell the tale. And now it's changing his life. Yay! It has and it will. So, so welcome. Thank so, you. Corey, thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me. Um, I would love it if you could take us all the way back to that create class when Ooh. you were sitting there and yeah. all of a sudden the film downloaded in your imagination. Yeah. Um, just first off, I'm so excited to be here. I love you guys so much. And I can fully, fully say that there would be no femme if there was no create. So thank you guys for changing my life. You uh, have changed the way I think, the way I act, the way I have manifested things into my life. And um, out on the other side of it, uh, I just can't thank you enough. Yeah. Um, tears. All the tears. tears. I feel like the proudest mom. Like, I feel like if Corey was my son, I would never stop, like, posting his poster on the of the New York. I feel like I might adopt you, Corey. Is that weird? Um, but, yeah, how it started. I mean, I guess just taking it even further yeah, back. Yeah, um, I went to NYU to study acting. I graduated from Tisch. Um, I thought I was going to be a star the next day that I graduated. Um, spoiler, it didn't happen that way. And, um, I just was having a really hard time finding my way in the industry. Um, and, uh, I would have these meetings with casting directors and they'd be like, I think you're really great, but I don't know what to do with you. They would keep saying that I'm too specific. Um, and then I had a meeting with my agent at the time and she basically was like, um, you're too gay and you'll never work if you never learn to hide that part of yourself. 
Oh, so that was a lot to take in at the ripe age of what early twenties, wow. and I just felt like I kept. I felt like I knew that I was talented and I believed in myself, but I kept running into a wall, really. Um, and I started coming to create, and I started to learn about my potential and who I am and telling my story. Um, and I think for me, it always came from a deep fear of telling my story because I've always felt like I was, I've never been enough. Mm -hmm. And I felt like as a gay man in society, um, society has told me for so long that my story is not worth telling um, and that I shouldn't take up space. And so that was a huge issue for me that I sort of worked through at Create. Um, but I remember the, the defining moment. Well, there are a couple of defining <laughs> sorry. But um, I was in Create. I was dating this guy who I um, really liked, um, but he lived in London. He lived in Europe. Do you I remember, remember this? When this, this was like this such a crazy. He was sitting on the floor, like yeah. right in front of us. I remember yeah. this. So I was dating this guy long distance in London um, and it was like my first relationship and I was putting all my eggs in this basket, but at the same time knowing that like I really wanted physical touch and like this relationship really wasn't it, but it was the closest thing I've ever had to a relationship, right? So there was that segment of things. I was at a day job that I really hated and was feeling really stuck. And then there was also the acting thing where like I just couldn't make anything happen. Um, so I put all my eggs into this basket of this relationship, right? We planned this trip to Berlin. <laughs> Kristen's already <laughs> freaking out. We planned this trip to Berlin. Um, he flies from London to Berlin. He's waiting for me in Berlin. I have my suitcase packed. I'm so excited. Like my life is shit, but I have this trip to look forward to. I go to the airport. I go to the to the ticket counter, I give them my ticket and they're like, oh, you're not getting on this flight. They're like, your passport expires in two months and you need three months on your passport in order to get to Berlin to go to Germany. And I was devastated when I tell you my whole world like crumbled and I didn't end up going to Berlin. Um, and I came back and I was like, this was the biggest sign from the universe that I have ever received in my entire life. And if I don't take a second to check in with my life and the state of things right now, all of that will have been for naught. Mm -hmm. And I remember going to your guys' class like the next day and just completely breaking down in front of you guys. And that community was so helpful. But I think what I did was I'll never forget this as long as you live. As long as I live, you guys were like, Sometimes you have water in your glass and you need to empty out the water to make room for the champagne because that's what you really want. And I really wanted that champagne. and I had a shitload of water in my glass. And I think that lesson from the universe was like, empty your life, clear it out and make room because champagne is about to come. Oh. Um, so yeah, that was that was the, the, that defining moment. And so as a result, after that class, I ended up breaking things off with that boy. He's a lovely person and I still talk to him to this day, but 
we weren't right for each other in the moment. I quit my day job and really put all my eggs into femme. Um, and like the rest is, is history in a lot of ways with them. Um, but that, that class was a game changer for me. Now, ta- now sorry, ta- that was a monologue. No, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, well, that's all, like, we are speechless and we can't possibly talk. Okay, so, just talk to us forever. Now, now, people here in this podcast who don't know you don't yeah. know what them is. So, sure. so why let's don't you tell me? So, so like, let's go back to the, when did the idea of them drop sure. in? Sure. And yeah. Yeah. What um, is it? Where did it come from? When great. Come? So um, I was auditioning in New York. Um, I booked a pilot in LA with a producer named Benno Rosenwald. Um, and I went out there, did the pilot. It was great. Afterwards, he was like, I see something special in you. I would like to represent you. And he was a producer, but he was thinking about going into management. So he was like, great, I'll take you out. Let's try to get you meetings. And that's when this feedback started coming into play. People would be like, you're too specific. We don't know what to do with you. And he was like, so first off, I don't really want to be a manager. That was fine. I want to produce. And more so than that, like, if you write a story, I will produce it. And he really saw something in me and really gave me permission to tell my story. And he's also uh, a queer man. And so to hear that gay man to gay man, that I should tell my story and that my story was worth telling, like completely changed my life in so many ways. Um, And I was like, okay, I I agree. I should write my story and knowing that you're producing is is great. But what is my story? Mm. And that's where morning practice came into effect for me. Yeah. Tools, because, yeah. The tools. Kristen and I have our hands in the air and we are cheering because we will talk until we are blue in the face about just do a morning practice. Your whole life will change. So my morning practice was doing morning pages. Um, and so every morning from the artist way, um, and so every morning I would sit down and write about two or three pages of just a brain dump. Um, and I kept coming back to these ideas of gender and gender performance and my queerness and gender roles. And I think the good thing about morning pages is if something continues to come up and come up and come up, there's this moment where you're like, shit or get off the pot Mm. like do something about this because I cannot bear to write another morning I want to explore the themes of this and I want to make something about this you know and so it just kept coming back to those ideas um and the seed of them was born from that from from giving someone giving me the permission to tell my own story getting really silent and figuring out what story I wanted to tell and stumbling upon that through morning pages Wow, yeah, great. So you went through the process yeah. of writing your story, and yeah. what was that process like? Well, it's interesting. I never considered myself to be a writer, but yet in retrospect, I would check in with all my friends, and they'd be like, "Corey, you've been writing in your journal as long as I've known you," mm. and like that story of like, "Oh, I'm not a writer. Mm. I'm not a writer," you know. But it's like a writer is someone who writes things. Period. Yeah. And I've been writing my whole life, um, and so for me was kind of studying the genre of short films. I know I wanted to make a short and like, how does that work? Um, and then going through draft after draft after draft, Kristen was really helpful. Um, yeah, just really continuing to refine it until it got to the core of what I wanted. 
um, which was this guy who's rejected. He goes on this date. He's rejected for being too femme, and it shakes him to his core. And he spends the, the rest of the movie figuring out how to love himself, how to deconstruct these ideas that society have, has placed on him, that being femme is less than, mm. um, and journeying on that journey towards self-love, which I think is something, whether you're gay, whether you're straight, no matter who you are, we're all trying to learn how to love ourselves. And this is just one microcosm um, of that journey towards loving yourself, I guess. Mm. So good. Yeah. And do you remember... So when when the idea came, what came first when you thought about writing it was that it was it the date, the date where he was rejected was that the first kernel that you had? For me, I would always be on these dating apps, and he would always say, "No femmes, mask only." Oh. And so I, I was internalizing that, and it was affecting the way that I was looking at myself, and I felt like I was unworthy because of that. And I would feel like when I would go on dates that I would have to deepen my voice, mm. or I would have to wear like a backwards hat because it made me feel more masculine and more manly, and and the outward world was saying that that was more desirable. Yeah. Um, so I wanted to take the the core of that and then drop it into the highest dramatic stakes possible. So it's like, what's that core of feeling like you're unworthy um, because you're femme? And then also being obsessed with these dating apps mm -hmm. just pop right into this guy getting rejected for being too femme, which happens all the time yes. in, in the dating world for, for a group of people. I remember when you were writing um, one of your early drafts, you uh, told me what an influence RuPaul had been on you. Oh, God. And I remember you saying this to me, and I loved it. You're like, what I love about RuPaul's message is he'll say, what is that thing about you that's unique? Now let's shine a light on it. Yeah. So instead of trying to hide it or be embarrassed about it, make it shine, your superpower. Make mm. it your superpower. Totally. And oh, I could talk forever about RuPaul, but every episode of RuPaul's Drag Race, he ends up saying, if you can't love yourself, how in the hell are you going to love anybody else? Can I get an amen? And then mm. all the consistent say amen. Um, but what I, what I love is like, he'll see the things that people are insecure about and he'll just empower them to own that. And once they own that, they are invincible. Like I remember, um, this character, this, um, drag queen named, um, Chi Chi Devane and, um, she's from the deep South of, uh, in, in Louisiana and had this really thick drawl and was so ashamed of that. And, and Rue was like, lean into that like wear that like a badge of honor mm -hmm. and you just saw how when given the permission to take the thing that you are most ashamed about and make it your identifier mm -hmm. you become a superhero mm -hmm. absolutely you, you totally do and I think the thing for me which was very interesting was I wrote them aspirationally in the fact that I wanted a story that showed me how to love my femme identity when I didn't love my femme identity so mm. I was sitting here from a place of like, please, I want a story that tells me that I'm worthy because of who I am, couldn't find it, and wrote it at a time when I didn't love myself because I was femme. Well, mm. I think there's that thing of we teach what we most want to learn, Yeah. right? Yeah. And I think the same thing is true in art because like that's what when we create art out of I'm trying to teach myself something through this story yeah. of like what I most need. Yeah. So we're like, we're giving away what we most need. Yeah. It's like the perfect bomb. And I think the time that that became the most tested was the time when I had this script and then we decided that we were going to do Kickstarter. And I was like, 
I'm about to release this into the world at a time when I don't feel great about this yet. And like the crazy part is that I did end up loving myself because of this thing, but I wasn't there yet. And so I remember having this fear of being like, I'm about to release this online. This word that to be frank, I don't love yet is now going to be my identifier forever. The internet lives forever. I'm forever tied to this word. And if someone Googles me before they go out on a date with me, they're going to see this. And like, I just remember almost being so paralyzed by the fear. And I remember something that you guys had said, where it was like, the closer that you get to your dreams, the higher the fear is. And I just remember almost pressing go for this Kickstarter campaign and being like, I'm not, I, I, uh-huh. Help me out. I can't, yeah. I can't do this. Oh, I totally know that You feeling. know, of just being like, no, one this was last cute. Exit but strategy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like on Splash Mountain before, like, yes. you have one last chance yeah, to get out. One last chance to leave. <laughs> like, that was me. Uh-huh. Um, but it was, I was getting closer to my dreams and my fear was acting the fuck out like a crazy child. Yeah. You know, and, and as I think more, I'm, I'm doing a lot of reading. I'm reading, um, the big leap right now. Yeah. Um, and talking about like the upper limit and mm-hmm. like at that time, my upper limit was like, okay, no, we're not doing this. You're here. Stop, you know, but trudging through that and trudging past that. And, and I'm just so glad that we did because it changed my life and Kickstarter took off and really caught on fire. And yeah. That's what I love so much about you and your story is that you represent the exact roadblocks of the creative process that we are meant to come up against. Yeah. But most people, when they come up against those blocks, well, I'm not really a writer because I've never written a screenplay mm-hmm. before, or, you know, I can't possibly do this because of this fear. Like yeah. there's those moments through the creative process that give you the opportunity to bail all the time. Yeah. And I think the common thing is when we're up against those, we see that as, oh, this must mean I shouldn't move forward. Right. The fear is so big. This must be a sign I should move in the opposite direction. And you were brave enough to just without seeing the whole staircase, just take one more step and then let the rest be revealed and take one more step. So the reason that your story has become so powerful is because you can represent for so many people that you can open at the moment where your ego or your fear says, no, you must close. And I would imagine that like any dream along the road of like after you actually raised the money, you weren't done with roadblocks. I'm sure you had them the entire way. No, I'm obsessed with, I was with Elianka Polanco, who's amazing and um, a great life coach. And um, we were catching up for create. And to your point, I'm going through it now even more. Sure. (laughs) And, And what she said to me, she was like, new level, new devil. And I was like, that's it. That's mm-hmm. it. Because I think for me, especially like not to skip some parts of the story, but like things did come out, turn out well. And I do have like, I feel like a platform now and um, people are starting to reach out to me and there how, is. How are they about Forbes? Oh yeah. So um, I was picked just a couple months ago to be in uh, the Forbes uh, 30 under 30 class of 2019 in the Hollywood section. Um, so that was amazing. Amazing. Um, and you know, I think especially with them, like there's a platform attached to it and I am trying to empower other people and those demons of being like, 
who are you to inspire others, Mm -hmm. you know, and they're really starting to come up. And, um, I think what's really interesting about like my relationship to create is create was with me throughout the entire creative process of them. And then once we started to do the festival circuit, I kind of was like, Oh, I don't need those tools anymore. (laughs) You know, I was like, Oh, I did that, you know? And it's like, no, that is all the more reason once success starts to happen that you have to stay rooted in that practice. And I think I did, I wrote a really beautiful high of like February to like, I'd say November where I was just like so high, you know, and on top of the world and in recent, the past month or two, I have felt those devils start to, to creep up. And it's also when I kind of, like, disco- not discovered, but started to listen to your guys' podcast more frequently. Um, and it was like, oh, all of these things are such a reminder. And I know these to be true, but to hear them again is just so necessary. And it's like, the moment when you think you don't need those tools anymore is actually the moment that you need them more yeah. because those devils start to, to creep up if you don't continue to push them down. Yeah. You know, yoga talks about in the Eastern traditions, they say the tools are there to, to keep you on your path. And yeah. when the obstacles and things come up, it's just saying, oh, you got off the path. Yeah. So the only thing you need to get back on the path is get back to the tools. Yeah. There's nothing to fix. There's nothing to do. Just get back to the tools. Get yeah. back to the morning practice. Get back yeah. to the perspective that helped you create this. Get back to the self-love. Yeah. Get back to the, what do I have to do to continue cultivating my worthiness? Yeah. I mean, one of the things that you've mentioned that has come up a few times in this process that I think is really beautiful and natural is there's this almost feeling of a fraud or mm-hmm. who you think 100%. you are and isn't it funny that in your attempt to become more authentic and more truthful that the thing your fear will tell you is <laughs> the absolute opposite which yeah. is why yeah let me keep getting back to the authenticity let me keep getting back to the seed of this is about telling the truth of this experience and not just for me, but for all of yes. the people who identify yeah. in the same way, who don't have these mentors or these, these tools or films to look up to. Exactly. And it was important to me to, to your point. Like I had Benno who like looked me square in the eye and was like, you are worthy. Tell your story. And not everyone has that. And so part of like the femme, um, you know, I don't want to say campaign, but like what we're doing is we have a hashtag called free your femme and we're empowering other people to tell their story about femininity and gender roles and all these things. Um, and encouraging that, like I was given the privilege to, and the opportunity to tell my story and I want to be really conscious about giving, empowering other people to do the same. Mm-hmm. That's great. Yeah. It, I love the, um, you are worthy, tell your story. I feel like that's almost what our whole mission is. It's like, you are worthy, do your dream. Yeah. And like that whole thing of like your dream actually wants you. Yeah. It wants to come through you. Femme was dying to come through you. And, and, and what's interesting too is like, I've always known that I've wanted to act, but I never understood why. Mm. And Femme was the first time that I realized that I was given the gift of acting 
to tell my story of femme. Mm-hmm. Like I was given the gift to serve the message. Mm-hmm. Because, oh, can mm-hmm. we just highlight that real quick? I was given the gift to serve the message. Mm-hmm. Put it on a t-shirt. Well, and I think sometimes people can come up against, just as the example you used, I'm an actor. I identify myself mm-hmm. as an actor. So d- that means if I then produce or write or teach or what, then I'm not being an actor. And, yep. and we put these identities on it. Yep. And part of it is you're here to serve something bigger than any identity you've even given yourself. Mm-hmm. Right. So, and you know, in taking the stand to say, I'm not going to compartmentalize myself. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to be a creative artistic vessel. Yeah. And Today, it looks like producing, or the next day, it looks like writing, and this day, it looks like acting, but it's all in service of something bigger, and that's what's truly fulfilling. Oh, Corey, you're just so inspiring. (laughs) And, you know, when you were talking about kind of like the higher you go on your journey, Mm -hmm. the more you need the tools, I was thinking about, I recently watched the Ellen DeGeneres Relatable comedy special. Yeah, how was that? It was so good. what really touched me, I mean, so funny, it's it's funny, but she's just telling her truth, which I really appreciate. And um, she talks about when she came out on her show, um, like how, you know, sweet Laura Dern, um, who played her love interest in the show and is straight, couldn't get hired for two years after that. Mm. How Oprah Winfrey played her therapist in the episode but got more hate mail for that than anything else Oprah's ever done. And wow. and. And then Ellen thought her career after that, after the show got canceled, was the dead, dead, dead. And she had gotten to a place in her own awareness before she came out that she knew she had to come out. She had. She talks about this dream she had where she woke up from the dream and she knew she couldn't go backwards. She had to come out, mm. um, which I think is just so powerful. But that there was a time after that. So imagine being this female comedian with like, this hit show on TV and then your soul tells you you have to take a stand for your truth and you do it and, and the world like, crumbles down around you. it feels you. Like, ever, like you're never going to work again. And, and it, it feels like other people are negatively affected by that. And, and that you've been punished. Yeah, yeah. that burden. Yeah. Yes. That's interesting. And, um, and so the, the, the whole thought of like, you know, years later, the reason she took the daytime thing is like she just couldn't get hired. So it was like, well, you know, here's this like daytime offer and like uh, I think there she was talking about how some network executive was like well who's gonna watch a lesbian during the day and like it turns out everyone will you know like but then that show became this like rebirth for her and I always think of Ellen as someone who also like really loves the spiritual tools and I think about like what that time must have taught her about yeah. herself and who she must have become in that time mm. in order for the next segment of her life. Um, so this idea of like, we never get to a place where it's like, ah, I don't need my spiritual tools yeah. Graduated. No you yeah. know, graduated. Because it's always like, what I need is to be able to hear how my soul is talking to me and directing me now. Yeah. And also interesting how it's like, we cling to these ideas sometimes. Like, I'm sure she, like, clinging to that idea of her show, um, which then was canceled, but not understanding that what well, was even bigger and would catapult her career to crazy heights. Yes. 
she can never even could have imagined. Right. She and you couldn't see always, the whole staircase. Yeah. yeah. You yeah. always say that the how is not your job. Right. And that's just where I'm trying to live right now. Right. That it's bigger than our paradigm. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, my kid can see that because it's never seen. We've never had a glimpse of it before. Right. We don't even know it exists. It's never happened yeah. before. Yeah. Yeah. And, and anytime you're in a process that's innovative and creative, you know, your mind is like a computer program that can really only tell you the right thing to do based on its past and its history yeah. and what it knows. What's coming in hasn't been known yet. The same way the ideas drop out of the ether, you know, it, it's like I love when Elizabeth Gilbert talks about yeah. it in, in Big Magic. Magic. She just talks about these ideas kind of like floating around and they kind of mm -hmm. descend into someone. And all of a sudden you have this idea out of nowhere. It's not yeah. like you went to the grocery store and picked up an idea yeah. that was available. It was it just dropped out of the unseen. Yeah. So the the process of its unfoldment is also going to come from the unseen. So it's not our job to figure it out. It's our job to be on the ride, to love it, to appreciate it, to, to ask, show me what's next, and to continue being in the deep space of silence and reverence and just continue working our steps one day at a time. And, and also what, what a word that struck me in that was innovative. Mm. And, and it's like innovative to you like I didn't do anything innovative I made a film it's been done many times before but for me it felt innovative because it was outside of the identities that I had built for myself yeah. and understanding that it's innovative to me and then and as a result I have no idea what it could bring right. and and um as opposed to being fearful of that allowing that to energize me mm. I guess Love that. How did you personally take fear and turn it into energy? Mm. Um, I would have to... Mm. This might be not a good answer, but it was what was reflected to me. And that all of a sudden, the Kickstarter really took off in a way that I never would have expected. So our goal was to raise $10,000. Talk about abundance. We raised $10,000 in one day. We went on to raise $25,000 on Kickstarter. And it gave us a platform very quickly because I think that a lot of people felt <laughs> threatened by what we were saying and energized by what we were saying at the same time. And I, I saw this quote that really like struck to me and it was it was um, the size of the reaction is, is a response to the size of the wound. Oh, yeah. And I do feel like we have so many wounds as far as toxic masculinity and gender and gender performance and gender roles. And I think the Kickstarter, which so um, deliberately tried to bring them down and attack those, um, really had people in a tizzy in a lot of ways. So like, I was getting trolls within like hours of this, of this, that I wasn't necessarily equipped to do. And I remember my director, whose name is Alden Peters, who's incredible. He was in Australia when we launched our Kickstarter because he was doing the film festival tour for his other um, film that he did before this called Coming Out, which is amazing. Um, and I remember like getting this onslaught of trolls and calling my producer, Benno, and being like, I have no idea what to do. <laughs> in the true producer mindset, he was like, well, 
we can either call it off and stop or keep going. (laughs) (laughs) And it kind of was like exactly what I needed to just be like, okay, got to keep going, I guess. Um, So there were these trolls, but there were also these people being like, I identify with this. I've never seen someone tell my story in this way. And that was the inspiration for me to keep going. I'm saying like, there are people out there who need this story more than I. We're getting tweets from people in all over the world, like every single day from Morocco and France and Italy and Australia and India of people being like, I've never seen this story before. This is my story. This is the first time I've seen myself. And that has been like the wind beneath my sails to say like, keep going. It's not about you at all. Mm. It's not not about you at all. That's great though, because we often want to make things very personal. Yes. And it's almost like the more personal we make it, the easier it is to bail. And the more <laughs> universal we know there's something we're tapped into that we're lucky enough to be a vessel yes. for, that does help us keep on keeping on yes. because we know it's not just about us. Yeah. And especially, I, I think, especially with that criticism, it does feel so personal because it's me, it's my story. But understanding that it's not for them, it's never been for them. But in a lot of ways, it kind of is for them. The fact that they're even having this reaction, I'm really happy about. Right. But because they're engaged. Yeah. Pay attention to <laughs> they're those watching. people who. who yeah. Need it. Yeah. What would you say is the? I mean, I know there's many things, but what is the greatest gift that Femme has given you? That I love myself. Mm. And that I was able to empower other people to love themselves as well. And like we're kind of gearing up for the next chapter of them. And I was telling you guys a little bit, but um, Rachel Brosnahan, who executive produced the short from Maisel, um, she signed on to executive produce the series. Um, And so we're going to be, I have the the pilot written and we're going to be pitching it and I do feel like, though, whatever happens, I learned to love myself, and that was it, and everything else is just a cherry on top, because molecularly, I've changed. And if you could give any word of advice from anyone listening who either is feeling really isolated in how they feel about themselves or their representation, or someone who's feeling really stuck in their creative process. Is there any advice you would give? You are worthy. You are worthy. You are worthy. You are worthy. You're worthy. Um, that's it. That's what it comes down to. Mm. I didn't think I was, and it took this whole thing to, to realize that I am. Mm. And I forever will be. And you always were? And I always was. It was so interesting for us to see you and get to know you just in class. Yeah. Uh, and it was so obvious to us what a bright star you were and how much life and energy and vitality you had and how much the world needed more of you in it. And it's, it's almost amazing for me to think that you didn't know that about yourself because it's just so obvious. But we all hide our greatest 
strengths and gifts from ourselves. And, and, and another thing I learned was like the thing that I actually hated about myself the most was actually the thing that everyone already loved about me the most. Mm-hmm. Like, isn't that crazy to be like, everyone hates me because of this thing. And then once you own it, being like, no, that's what attracted people to you in the first place. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And that like double-edged sword, I guess. Yeah. You know, what I see in you so much is willingness, like the willingness to listen to your inner voice, the willingness to listen to your inspiration, and the willingness to take the next step. Yeah. Like that, This there's been this like willingness the entire time to follow this path that is coming up from inside of you. And there's two things I, I that came up for me for that. The one was just like knowing that. I always knew that I would get here. I just didn't know how. And like, I think that was the darkest thing of being like at that moment at that create class of being like, if I don't change my life, like my dreams won't come true. And I realized that was a lie, but it was actually what I needed to say. Like this path that I'm on is not going to get me there. Change course. Like I don't care what you do. Just change course Mm -hmm. because it was very sobering to think if I stay on here, the dreams that I always thought for myself wouldn't happen. And like I said, they would have happened, I guess. Yes. But maybe not in the way that I I had a very similar thing that happened to me, like in my 20s, where I just realized I wasn't pointed in the direction of my dreams. Yeah. Right? And it was almost like I heard spirit say to me, just point in the direction. (laughs) It can be so far away, but just like turn your boat so you're pointed towards Mm. your vision. Yeah. Why do you think we got, why do you think we were misaligned? Well, I mean, I can just talk for myself. Yeah, sorry. (laughs) But I think I became misaligned because... I didn't think what I really wanted was possible. Mm. And so I started finding substitutes. Yeah. And so when I looked for substitutes for what I thought was possible, for for my real dream, I I was actually going away from my authentic self towards like some sort of... um, uh, what was it when you don't get uh, first place, you get like the the, the prize. Like towards a consolation, right? Um, but it was taking me further away from my vision. And so the course correct was like, yeah, your vision can be so far away. It can be 3,000 miles away. But just turn and start taking steps in that direction. And I think like like what you – then it started happening really fast. Yeah. Like I started taking little baby steps in the direction of my dream. And then it was like a – like it was almost like the river came and picked me up and took me way down the down the, the – the stream. My question is like, was that divine when you were not, when you were not aimed in the right way? Well, I always think of Michael Beckwith when he says, uh, pain pushes till vision pulls. So there's a certain kind of pain of living inauthentically that is divine. And just trying to get our attention. It's yes. not punishing us. It's not that we're doing anything wrong. It's just it's like wearing a pair of shoes that doesn't fit. Yeah. And the longer you wear them, the more it hurts. And it's not yeah. because you're a bad person or you made a wrong thing. It's just saying this pain doesn't mean you're bad or wrong. It's just an indicator that's, that there could be a, a better way. 
There yeah. could be another way. It's like it's like the universe saying, I want to love you so much, and I got such a better idea for you yes. whenever you're ready. Yeah. 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 I, I was, and it's hard to get our attention, right? Yeah. Like, I love when Oprah says, like, the universe would whisper at me, and then yes. I wouldn't answer. Yes. And then it would talk to me, and I wouldn't answer. And then it would scream at me, and I wouldn't answer. And then it would throw a brick at my head, and I'd go, oh, wait, uh, should I do something else, right? And that brick for me was missing that flight and not yeah. going to Berlin. Yeah. And same thing, I was reading um, uh, Gay Hendricks this morning, and he was like, the universe can have the delicacy of a, be as delicate as a feather or have a sledgehammer. And that's the right. same exact thing that you're saying. And, and maybe I, there had been the feather right. and I didn't we see didn't it. We didn't notice. And then it was. <laughs> well, and that's why we say over and over, just do a morning practice. Just get quiet. Yeah. Just spend time with yourself because that is the thing that'll make you notice the feather. Yeah. And it doesn't have to take rock bottom yeah. to get us to change our lives. We can change our lives when something just feels uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. If we're paying attention. Mm-hmm. Friends, <laughs> pay attention. So here's the great news. Like, we're being commu- communicated to all, all the, time. the time. It never stops. And then once you get tuned in, you just want to shut it off sometimes. Right? You just want to, like, like so <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> well, you know what I've been so interested in is uh, distraction lately. Mm-hmm. How we, like, find ways to distract ourselves from listening. Oh, yeah. You know? Yeah. We get so busy answering emails instead of listening. Instead of listening. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it's a beautiful thing. And that's another thing with when your life gets bigger, you think the first thing that has to go is the self-care. But that's the thing that has to be top priority. Oh, man. Where the whole train shuts down. It was was like that. They end up like, uh, uh, you know, if if, if you have time, you know, meditate for an hour if you don't have time meditate for two hours yeah. I mean like yeah. that kind of yeah. idea yeah can yeah. you say what you said before we started rolling about like if you miss your workout you start to like resent other things so like that like, oh yeah uh, but like that is part of your like practice I guess like keeping the body you know and like I feel like life is busy and I, I can't set aside that time but I know I should and what you said like spoke to me oh thank you oh, that's I, so funny I was just saying to Kristen I said what did you do today and she gave me the biggest list of all the things like I don't even know how you got that many things yeah. in that many hours and and she said and I got up and did my workout at seven and I was like see wouldn't that be the first thing to drop off the list because you know you have this very long day? I couldn't believe that. Well, and what I was telling Natalie is uh, I realized at a certain point that I'm never not going to have that big, long day. I'm never not going to have the 9 a.m. meeting and the day that goes yeah. till 6 p.m. Like, normally, yeah. right? Like, so it's if, if it's going to be a big life, um, and it's a life I've signed up for because I, I like I want it. I want to, you know, jump in with my big, open heart. Um that if I don't do the self-care, I'm going to start to resent the dharma. The dharma. Mm. And I can't do that, right? So, like, prayer meditation, morning practice, and a workout, like, those, those are just going to have to, they're just going to have to be the ones that are non-negotiable. Mm. Yeah. I need to do that. Thank you. So, right, you know what I'm working on being non-negotiable right now? That Natalie is so good at being non-negotiable. We learn from each other all the time. Uh, well, because we're, we're actually, like, you would think that we're very similar, but we're actually, like, the opposite ends in so many ways. Yes. In, in a good way. So we learn from each other. But she is so good. And, like, if, if you've been listening to the podcast, you'll know about this. I've been trying to do my record keeping every day. Yeah. And she's so good at, like, doing her record keeping every day. So it's, like, my new habit. I'm, uh, it's my, it's my, it's my... 
biggest intention for 2019 is to do my record keeping every day. I'm so proud of you. Is that What is record keeping? Like taxes? No, like, I'm like, receipts? I'm like, I'm like, I'm like keeping, that is an element of it. I'm keeping a budget and I'm being oh, mindful budgeting. of what yeah, I spend um, every day. Oof. See, I, listen, for me, it's joy. She loves it. I love it. I love the game of, okay, this month, these are the things I want to do. And in order to do those things, I would need th- this much resources. So I'm going to do this and I'm going to organize this. And I'm going to say no to this, not because I'm not abundant, because I want to be abundant enough for this thing that I really love. And there's a whole plan and a whole system. And then I feel like a boss when I give that gift to myself of like executing my list perfectly. But there has to be an element of letting go as far as like things coming in. That That's why like... Kristen's in my life. Because <laughs> I'm not the best at the letting go part. Yeah, no, I've been teaching her. Rigidity is kind of my strong suit. I've been teaching her how to let go. And like, if I go over to Natalie's house and her bed isn't made, I feel like spirit was here. Like, I feel like God has done his job on the planet. I get so excited when her bed isn't made. Or like if like if like if there's like one element on her like counter, I get so excited. If there's like like a smear, I'm like ah um, but um but I'm learning from Natalie. Like I've always had that mindset of like it's God, it's abundance. I always have money. Everything flows to me. But there's a way of like that for my own personal growth, that's like not being mindful. So I'm trying to uh, take a page from Natalie's plan. And in doing so, it works. There's a way of like honoring money that I know is my next phase of real growth. Hmm. And so I've just been, it's like literally just putting my eyeballs on it every day as yeah. a way of like a spiritual practice. Yeah. So like my way of saying, God Spirit, divine, thank you so much for funding my dreams and yeah. my life and giving me abundance. It's just by putting my eyeballs on it every day, like a little prayer. So that's my that's what I'm doing in 2019. But this is Natalie Roy's effect on my life. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. And so, I'm not making my bed as much. Like, yay! <laughs> it's such an understatement of what your effect on my life is. <laughs> the hugest understatement in the entire universe. Which <laughs> is for the sake of the comedy. <laughs> it's a good it's a true part of But you know, we need each other. Yeah. And in the same way the world needs femme, whether you identify as that or whether that's not your personal identification, but you can identify with what it feels like to be underrepresented mm-hmm. or not understood yep. or isolated yep. or particularly in your story to feel even within your own family and community to not be identified with. Yep. And I think that that is hugely, hugely universal. And in a world where we have created that separation is the norm and there is a glorification of who's higher, who's lower, mm-hmm. who has rights, who doesn't? Yep. Whose side are you on? Yep. Our job is to say how Kristen and I are different is a gift to each other and to our evolution. And how all of us seem like we have differences, finding the common ground and the unity among us is actually the secret to healing each other, healing ourselves, and healing the planet. It's like we have gifts to give each other. And like if we can just to appreciate each other's differences and then tune into the gifts of the differences... We all get to benefit. Thank you, Corey. High tide rises all boats. High tide rises all boats. Corey, we are so proud of you. We're so in love with you. Exactly.
at you both. You I look you so, so handsome much. and fantastic, Thanks. and you're just a boss in taking the next step and the next step. And I know I'm going to even listen to this podcast and be inspired to like what the thing calling in me that there's a step that needs to be taken. And if I know you're out in the world bravely asking that question, I know that I'm going to be empowered to do the same. Yeah. Thank you for teaching me. Uh, so friends, if you want to find Corey, cause you do, <laughs> if you don't know what he looks like, I mean, give yourself a present and go to Instagram right now at Corey camp, C O R E Y C A M P or at, Fem the film, F-E-M-M-E, the film. Uh, check him out. And also you can visit his adorable website. So it's CoreyCampercholi.com. C-O-R-E-Y-C-A-M-P-E-R-C-H-O-L-I. I-O-L-I. Oh, wait, wait. I-O-L-I. Don't listen to me. C-A-M-P-E-R-C-H-I-O-L-I. And also we it's will long. have his name on the podcast. And Italian. So you can see it. I mean... Yeah, we'll put all the we'll put, we'll all, put all, all in our, in the, all in our podcast blurb. Um, such a joy, such a delight, and all of us as you walk these next phases of this path, we are all rooting for you. Thank you. Thanks for being our family. Thank you so much for listening. We love to feel like we have friends all over the world in you who are committed to doing their dream on the planet. And if you liked this podcast and you want to find out more about what we're doing or who we are, our pop-up classes, our online classes, you can check all of that out at thecreateseries.com. And if you want to be part of our Facebook community, you can go to the Create Community page. That's C period R period E period A period T period E period community. And if you loved this podcast, why not share it with a friend?